0: Hello, everyone. The Vern here, Cinema Recall podcast. Thank you for checking out this great episode where guest Brian of Cinema Psycho's show and myself talk about our favorite movies when we were thirteen years old. Uh, check it out, folks, over on our Patreon page, patreon.com/slash/Cinema Recall Pod. You're gonna be getting a longer version of that episode this is just the theatrical version but if you want the extended uncut version head on over to patreon.com slash pod and you can hear the full episode uh, links are on our website cinemarecall.net anyways folks I love you all very much and I will talk to you soon letters bye Hello everyone, the Vern here from Cinema Recall, here to tell you about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio app for iOS and Android phone. It picks up the most trending articles on the web and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire web becomes listenable. Stop scrolling, start listening, go to newsly.me, use the promo code RECALL, and get one month free of their premium service. Check it out, and now, back to the show. This podcast may contain adult language, adult situations, and some movie spoilers, so listener discretion is advised. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says
1: at a time like this? Cool, Jack Burton. Me.
0: You're a bluebird. You're a brownie. You're a Girl Scout cookie. He doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> oh, I used to love doggy chow.
1: I used to love doggy chow, too. Want a date? Going
0: out? Looking for some action? Need some company? This is a snakeskin, jagged. For me, it's a symbol of my individuality and my belief
1: in personal freedom.
0: It's not important, okay? You're not important. Get used to it.
1: Baby, you are going to
0: miss that plane. the Cinema Recall Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to this very special bonus episode of the Cinema Recall Podcast. I am The Vern. I am not joined by my wonderful co host Ashley because she is working right now, alright? She's out making the monies, making the funds, making the breads. But I did bring out with us a guest today. Very happy. I have Brian, from the Cinema Sacral Show. Hello, Brian.
1: Hello, The Vern. Did you just go by The Vern or Vern?
0: The Vern or Vern.
1: Okay. So, uh, okay. The Vern. Because there's only one. There's the only Vern. one Vern. There's yeah. no other Verns. I, I would love to say that there's only one Brian, but, like, I was born in the 80s, so, like, everybody got that name. Well, <laughs> but just... you are The Brian. I am The Brian, the the producer slash host, one half of the host, of the Cinema Sacral Show. Movie Review Podcast, uh, been going hard since 2016. Damn! So, yeah, yeah. 200, we have 267 episodes
0: in our Holy back crap. catalog. Well, yeah. tell me, a little, tell me how you guys got started with this podcast. Cause I, I'm liking your episodes. You guys have.
1: Oh, thanks. So, um, I'm a, a filmmaker by trade, uh, and I work actually, I work currently now in the podcasting industry uh, as a video produce, video designer, and um, for for a podcasting company but um, I'm a filmmaker, like that's, that's like what I do. And uh, uh, I was uh, working a job around 2015 that uh, honestly was not giving me like a creative outlet at all. And it was an events media job, which I, I it was all right, I paid the bills, right? But I you know, wanted to do something that was kind of gonna scratch the creative itch. And I had gone to grad school and met a lot of really awesome film buffs and filmmakers as well. And so, you know, 2016 rolled around. And I'm like, well, why, not, why don't we do this whole podcasting thing? Because I had read an article by Kevin Smith in which he had talked about how if you're a filmmaker, you should be doing podcasting because it kind of builds an audience for you so that when you do make a movie, you can just, you know, say, hey, I've got this thing out. So it kind of builds a distribution channel. So oh. I got together with myself and uh, two of my fellow grad uh, class uh, friends and I wanted to approach the podcast from a standpoint that was unusual at the time. It's now kind of commonplace, but in 2016 it was not common for a half-serious film criticism podcast slash comedy vulgar it at times, most times. So <laughs> now it's kind of all over the place. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, I was one of the first ones to do that. You, you're um, a
0: Britain crowd
1: I like to think so. I like to think so. So yeah, um, myself and my co-host John, uh, we did have another co-host at the time. Uh, Her name is Lane. And uh, yeah, we just, we approached it from how can we provide really good film criticism, but also be complete assholes and funny. And it's been kind of a passion project. We, we don't make any money off of it. So despite doing it for that long, it's really just kind of for fun. I kind of call it like therapy.
0: It's been so incredibly nice meeting all the fellow podcasters, mm-hmm. and how this has been led to other things. Like, you have been able to go to conventions, and was able to yep. go to some film festivals, and like I never got to go to these things before. Part of
1: my like, I I literally I I attribute my job. I work for for a company called Libsyn. Um, oh yeah, you know, I remember the, them. Familiar, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I work for them. I'm their video designer. And oh and shit, I was a I was a. Uh, a customer I still am a customer there so like it working on my podcast in a way got me on uh, introduced to the, the people at Libsyn. and it's now my job and I, I love it and that's why if you if you go to Libsyn on YouTube you'll see me uh show up uh, on a good chunk of those videos
0: that's pretty cool well as always thank you for being on the show uh please oh, head pleasure. out over to cinema check yep. out all their Great episodes on, on there. We're on all
1: the platforms. We're on the Twitter at Psycho Show. We're also on Instagram and Facebook and, and all over the place. We, you, if you just type in Cinema Psycho Show, we'll pop
0: up. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> it's
1: one of those things. There's no one else.
0: Very cool. Uh, before we get going, now, you looked on the tab right there. Our show is all about favorite movies of ours when we were teenagers. So. Yeah. We're going to get into that real quickly. Before I do, i got to give a quick little shout-out to some of our sponsors on the show. Uh, first of all, I want to give a quick shout-out to the Parkway Theater, parkwaytheater.com. They have a bunch of great movies coming out in May. Uh, Parkway Theater is where you go if you want to see older movies back on the bit screen. And what makes the Parkway Theater so cool is that they will show movies back in 35mm, sometimes 70mm. Nice. They'll have like uh, 4K prints digital prints it's it's really cool place it will have like live musicians on stage uh in fact at the time of us recording this episode i'm so upset i never got a chance to go to this but you saw the movie kill bill right
1: oh yes both part one and part two
0: so they're actually having the band the 5, 6, Seven Eights, play at the theater wow and then they're gonna That's... show kill bill
1: are they gonna do it in conjunction with like the film playing oh i wish
0: that would be the case but no no, they're oh, playing that's, before that's the still movie.
1: still awesome, though. It's still amazing.
0: Yeah. So And, yeah, that's shit like sold out like right away. Oh, I didn't get a chance to. Oh, But, no. it's But those have other great bands play there, and they have great movies. Uh, Earl Lutz is a projectionist and just does a great job. He has, like, this whole list of all these trailers and mm-hmm. movies in 35 millimeter. And, yeah. It's, in fact, I know coming up there, they're going to have uh, Dr. Strangelove in nice. 35 millimeter. That's, which man,
1: may, wow, in 35 mm yeah, that's crazy. Which is very,
0: very cool because it's so rare. There's only yeah. that, it's that theater, and I guess the Trilon has some movies in 35 millimeter as well. So very cool stuff. So, got to give a shout out to the Parkway Theater, uh, and then also got to give a shout out right now to uh, Full Swap Radio, FullSwapRadio.com. You can hear our show there every Sunday at 8:30 p.m. Full Swap Radio is a kink and fetish podcast network. And awesome. we're involved in their <laughs> which makes sense because Cinema Recall, you think about Fet Life and Bondage and whatnot, you think about that stuff we listen to Cinema Recall. But we're available on their vanilla Sunday programming.
1: Their vanilla Sunday programming. Yep.
0: That's awesome.
1: They're like, Yeah, it's not it's not uh, ball gags and, and bros. It's it's listen to Cinema Recall and vanilla. Yep. Monday. That's awesome, though.
0: So check us out there, uh, Sunday, eight thirty 30 p.m. Uh, very cool. Uh, this is the portion of the show where I take a quick little small break right now so we can hear some great ad spots from some other great podcasts that you should definitely check out. And then we'll be back with Brian of Cinema Stical Shows to talk about our favorite movies when we were teenagers.
1: After these messages, we'll be right back. Have time for another podcast and enjoy listening to two idiots discussing films? Then look no further. We are Movie Drone Podcast, two mates sitting down to discuss new releases, nostalgic films and anything and everything in between. He's Steve. And he's Mark. Together we answer listener questions and set each other homework, giving each other a film to watch that the other hasn't seen, in the hope of unearthing hidden gems. You can download us on iTunes,
0: Podbean, as well as Google search us to find us on loads of different platforms. Or email Podcasts at hotmail.com. I think that's all. No chance, mate. Huh? You've forgotten everyone's favourite
1: feature, Mark's Movie Impressions. Oh, I hope you've forgotten it too, to be honest. No chance of hey, that. mate. you think you should do one? I hate you. Come on, mate. Show them what you got. Hey, my boy. Hey, No, boy. Yo, Adrian! <coughs>
0: And if that hasn't put you off, give us a try. There's a small chance you won't regret it. How would you describe Just Enough Trope? We are the Just Enough Trope podcast. I'm your host, Caliban, joined as always by my co-host. Hi, I'm Icon Hannah. Oh no, does this mean they can hear all the things I yell at the TV during Downton Abbey? Why did you do (laughs) that? How do you plead? What the game begin. Yeah, check these fresh moves. Oh! Don't shoot man in face. This isn't the Save Gotham fundraiser. It's the chill family reunion. Master Yoda assigned a Padawan to this bold Jedi. I think it's pronounced Padawan. Oh, Padawan, excuse me. Hey, it's getting late. I think Ralph's going to want his motorcycle back. Uh, Gray. I am freaking getting old <laughs> Yeah, I noticed the life clock was blinking in your hand Get out of here, Wilson Go fight the Teen Titans or something I'm unkillable, not unwoundable You like Sailor Moon, right? Why don't you sail on this d***? T- oh, wow Just Enough Trope News, reviews, and geek fondue Every Monday on the Just Enough Trope Podcast Network e- Loving me never have a say, you so sorry What? Hey everyone, The Vert here, just here to remind you that Cinema Recall is available on all your favorite podcast platforms such as Good Pods, Podchaser, Apple Podcast, YouTube. If you like what you hear or see, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps the show out tremendously. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash cinema Pod, and this is where you'll get uh, episodes early and you'll even get longer extended versions of episodes so please check us out there patreon.com slash cinema Pod. and right now i want to give a small shout out to all of our wonderful patreon supporters so no special order i want to thank matt and ashley from magic at the movies i want to thank jeanette bitingham at aka jeanette I want to thank Mr. Donnie Roberts at Unreal Goals for the Deep Sea anthologies. I got to thank Linda Castro of Knobs and Broomflicks. I got to thank Jen, Lydia, and Naomi of Shot and Applaud. I got to thank uh, Harvey Andrus of Your Ex-Girlfriend. And I got to thank Mr. Jason Soto of from Rabbit Hole Podcast. So, thank you very much for your support. Again, if you want to help support the show, patreon.com slash Pod, Uh, Great way to help support the show, and we'll give you a shout at each episode here. So, thank you very much, everyone. And now, back to our show. And we are back, everyone. Thank you for coming back to the Cinema Recall Podcast. I'm here with Brian of the Cinema Psycho Shows, and I couldn't... During the break, I had to grab... A Mister Freezy Pop. Oh, uh, nice! Because nothing as, as you do, as you do. Well, because when you're 13, this is what my sugar fix was: these Freezy Pops.
1: Uh, see, for me, 13, my my sugar fix was Surge.
0: Surge.
1: Yeah, Surge. Oh, delicious Surge.
0: Oh, uh, see, I I remember having Jolt Cola.
1: Yeah, they they Joe Colo was gone by the time I was a teenager, though. Okay. Like I, I I I was born in 1985, so like for me, I was a teenager in in 19 uh, well, for there you said 13, so 1998 was when I turned 13, and that was peak surge. I, it was honestly peak like disgusting, gross advertising for food products. <laughs> you know, like like everything. I remember that that uh the the Nintendo. Uh, game. Uh, it was for it was for Kirby. And it has one of the most disgusting ad spots where someone is like a guy eating like at a diner and he's just engorging himself on food. He's covered in sweat and gross and the the, v, the VO on it goes, voiceover says ready for another bonus round. And then he eats it and explodes. But like... What? That was... Oh, yeah. No, oh, this was... I double this up later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you just look up like 1990s commercials like the mid to late 90s have some of the most disgusting commercials for for things and they're all over the place they're just out of whack but um yeah like just getting back to it like surge was my go-to drink oh yeah, god a teenager like like yeah
0: i was like oh yeah i uh still a lot of shopping that like sam's club and costco so we only had we always had like the really cheap knockoff brand Oh, so like
1: like vibrate instead yeah, of surge.
0: Exactly. Yes. Uh, Convo- you had seizure instead no, of surge. it's stuff like the uh, Mountain Dew, we had something called uh, like Mountain Mist.
1: Oh, we had that too. We yeah. had that too because like at, like we would shop at Walmart, and Walmart would get all the Costco brands. Oh, got the Sam's Club brands. And yeah, it was like Mountain Mist. And then you know, as an adult, I've gotten shopped at Aldi, and they they have something weird like it, it, bizarre like that too but it it's funny how that works but like yeah like surge was was the was the stuff oh god gotcha. and then like in my school everyone was like i remember this people were literally like freaking out about oh god you can't can't drink surge because it's got yellow 5 it'll make your dick shrink <laughs> it's like what <laughs> what
0: what jeez yeah
1: yeah, I, oh, yeah, yeah. You were taking your life in your hands and your dick in your hands. Oh, literally.
0: search. Literally. Uh, I'll have to send this to you later, but someone made this fake commercial for a 90s ad. Yeah. That becomes like this horror film. Is oh. it the
1: AI generated pizza? Because I've seen that one. That was insane.
0: Okay, yes. With the, was, piece, yeah, the pizza beta bites.
1: Yes, it's terrifying. Okay.
0: Okay, <laughs> yes. I'm like, okay, awesome. All right, never mind then. Uh, But, yeah, very cool. Uh, So, yeah, let's go ahead and get into our list. I'll have the guest go first. Okay. So Number five. um, So, number five. We're going to go back and forth
1: here. Number five, and I I do have some honorable mentions, but I'll I'll get to number five. So, so for me, uh, number five on my list was the dark comedy, Very Bad Things.
0: Oh, with uh, Cameron Diaz, yeah, and Christian yeah. Slater.
1: Yeah, this is basically like the Hangover, if it was really hard R on borderline X-rated. Um, like that. That's that's what this movie is. I. Uh, this is
0: about the guys who are going out for a bachelor party.
1: Yeah, yeah. It star- It stars Daniel Stern, Christian Slater, uh, a a very felt John Favreau uh and and uh, yeah Cameron Diaz and John Favreau is getting married his best buddies are taking him out to uh, a bachelor party in Las Vegas um Daniel Stern's younger brother who's kind of like you know the the fuck up in the movie uh does, he he kills a hooker like he kills a prostitute Jeremy Piven and, right Yeah Jeremy Piven um I think he this is pre Hairplugs so like this is right after like coming off of like PCU and that sort of thing so he he kills a prostitute and then buries the body in the desert. And Christian Slater basically goes insane trying to cover up all of this stuff that happened. Daniel Stern feels guilty. It, like his consciousness goes goes nuts. So it's it's a it's an insane movie, but I love it. Like and my my co host John he he also loves it. We we've, we've said like this is when we have to have to do an episode on, but like this came out. It, it, and honestly it's been I think it's been hated by by a lot of people because it is you don't like anybody in this <laughs> like you're not you're not supposed to like any single person Cameron Diaz is is horrible in it like and I don't see me horrible like she's not performing well her character is horrible yo yeah um yeah like she just is so obsessed with wanting the perfect wedding and it, it just that obsession just goes to the nth degree. Um, but it's it's just a it's a crazy wild ride, and I would tell anybody like if you're a fan of dark comedies, this doesn't get any darker than this.
0: Um, My favorite moment in that movie, Brian, is mm-hmm. when Daniel Stern is at the convenience store. Yes, with his wife June Topplehorn, and she asks him <laughs> to go inside to get some like candy for her, get her some kids. Wizards, wizards, there was get the yeah. wizards. <laughs> And he's get there. The fucking wizards. <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to get wizards in. He's just, we're seeing everything in his thought process, and he's thinking everyone's kind of talking to him. And well, there's a
1: cop, like, in in the, the convenience store. Oh, so yes. He's already, he's already thinking that, like, oh, shit, I'm going to get caught. And like he's trying to keep cool, but he can't keep cool because he's Daniel Stern in a dark comedy. So he's just like losing shit, trying to get wizards because the kids in the car are screaming, "We want wizards! We want wizards!" And he's like, "Here's your fucking wizards." And, and like, I, I don't. I, I, to... I have kids, and there, there have been times that I felt that really that rage, <laughs> and it's. It's
0: like, yeah, man.
1: I can only imagine if you buried a prostitute in a desert. On top of that.
0: Oh gosh, I actually love how this movie ends. I'm not going to give away spoilers no, here. Oh, it's a good one. But it ends in a way that is both deserving and very twisted as well.
1: It's a twisted movie, and that, like that—that's why I love it. Like the first time I saw this, I was like, man. That's how it ends. Yeah. (laughs) And it's still, every time I watch it, that that ending just kind of throws me for a loop. I'm like, that's how you end a movie right there. Um, Because I'm not not a fan of movies that always have a happy ending. Like, I think that's kind of cheating. Um, I don't mind
0: happy endings as long as it's deserved. And since all these people are horrible people. They're all horrible. I don't want them to have a happy ending. And it just fits so perfectly what happens.
1: Yeah, no, I I'm not I I I I think for me like since I've written film, uh, like I think a happy ending is is easy, and it's more crowd pleasing, but I just kind of like it when you know the if you've got if you send up a movie with a bunch of people you hate that they all kind of get their end you know like it it all comes comes around, um and I don't think you always have to make the, the ending happy I think you no. you know there's something to leaving the audience feeling like. Wow, <laughs> that well, that was something, um, and it also sticks with you more.
0: Oh yes, yeah, hundred uh, percent. So I'm gonna totally switch gears here. Sure. From a dark comedy to a very like uh, hopeful fantasy Christmas type movie. Okay. Okay. Now I turned thirteen in the year nineteen ninety. Okay. All right. So my number 5 pick is Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands.
1: It's interesting you picked that one. That's a good one. That's a good. One. My my daughter's 4 years old and she loves that movie.
0: See now, uh, Yeah. At the time when this came out because this came out right after Batman. Yes. with Tim Burton and I remember as a kid really loving Batman and I'm even loving like Beetlejuice.
1: Yes, I'm still upset with both of those.
0: And before that, he was Big Adventure. And so after yep. Batman, you're thinking that Tim Burton's Death's Project is going to be another big kind of like blockbuster movie. Yep. But instead, he just goes ahead and makes this fantasy movie about this inventor played by Vincent Price who wants to create uh, a child of his own. And he's building this boy, but he dies before he's fully completed and the boy has scissors where his hands are. And it's got Giant Depp and Winona Ryder. Anthony Michael Hall is in this movie. Um, yeah, just really
1: Do you, uh, you wanna know why he jumped and did that movie instead of Batman?
0: Oh yeah, please, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
1: so so his experience, Tim Burton's experience making Batman was horrible. Like like it was it was he's, he's it's been said in, in interviews that he's done that it was really bad. Um, he, he hated the fact that he had to kind of keep to the dogma of the comic book. He hated the fact that he had, uh, the producers, um, who, you know, were, were kind of insane, uh, at the time, um, really kind of on his ass about Batman. So, and then keep in mind also, like, at at the time that Batman was, was being made, There was the whole, like, rigmarole around casting Michael Keaton and basically Tim Burton having to do the unusual task of proving that his movie is not a joke. So you've got the stress of all of this going on, on top of dealing with these crazy producers that... And I also think that that doing a big-budget movie like this that blew up was added stress. So when the time came to, to... you know, do Batman Returns? Like, he told Warner Brothers, I'm going to do this very personal project first. And that's why he went to Fox. And that's why I went ahead and did Edward Scissorhands. Oh. And that's why Edward Scissorhands is by far, I would say, his most personal film um, to, to date. Like, it's it's absolutely his most personal film. And it's like, you, you watch it and you're like, this is Tim Burton, like, on screen. It's, you can almost make it autobiographical.
0: I just um, like the use yeah. of, like, pastel colors. It, well, yeah. In yeah, conjunction it's... with all, like, the gothic imagery that he yeah. has for Edward's Castle.
1: Funny little story. And I'll I'll, I'll make this an exclusive on your podcast because okay. I don't think I've ever said this before. Um, I have watched many a horror film in my time. And I've watched them since the age of two. Okay? The only scene in any movie that has ever actually elicited fear in me is in edward scissorhands and it's something that's always stuck with me so the scene is when we're first introduced to edward and um uh what's her face uh, goes D- up. diane weiss diane weiss yeah diane weiss goes up into the attic and she's you know who is that over there and johnny depp coming out of the shadows still to this day makes me unnerved and it's something that i've always strived to whenever i've made my own short films um because i've yet to jump into the i'm working on it working on jumping into the feature realm but in my own short films i've always strived to try to capture that fear because that thing scared me him coming out of the shadows looking like uh you know caesar from doctor the cabinet of dr caligari and just Auto, like you just see the face first and then you see the yeah. body come after that and it is just it's still terrifying and my daughter makes fun of me she's four years old and she's like daddy you have to watch this scene i'm like no, no, no i'm not, <laughs> not, doing, it. I'm oh, not no. doing that <laughs> but like i've seen i've like i've seen countless horror movies and there is something to be said about the cinematography the acting in that particular shot to actually elicit fear within me it still stuck with me like i saw edward since when it it came to to Home Video uh, in 91, because I think it premiered in 90 and then came to Home Video in 91. So, like, it's it's definitely a movie that, that stuck with me and still does to this day.
0: Oh, that's so cool to hear that. I, I love that. I love how a movie did still have people be affected years later yep. and still. That's that's so cool. Um, I mean,
1: I get made fun of it all the time by my wife and my, my daughter. It's so oh,
0: I, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I I get scared at, like, you know, movies like Jaws still scares me. And I still get made yeah. fun of, like, my, my family members as well. So, yeah, totally get that. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Edward Scissorhands is my number five. What is your number four? So, number four,
1: uh, this is not a very good movie, but it's one that I liked at the time. And (laughs) it is Armageddon.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, Armageddon. I saw this one in theaters because in 1998, everyone was obsessed with the the prospect of a meteor crashing to Earth. (laughs) Like, it literally was. I think you had, like, Deep Impact Armageddon come out around the same time. So, everyone was, like, expecting oh, yeah, we're not going to make it to 2000 because yeah. a meteor is going to crash into us. Um, the whole, like,
0: 19th. Yeah, just like, it was like before the big millennium and everyone thought yes. that 2000 was going to hit. We're well, be destroyed. Well, we all thought
1: the, well, we all thought the computers were going to blow up once we got to 99. But, like, in 98, it, it was the year of the meteorite oh. um, or the comet or whatever because you had two movies that, that were dealing with the subject matter. And Armageddon was, let's be honest here, Armageddon's the better movie of the two, if you want ridiculous, over the top, whatever. Um, and it's classic Michael Bay. Like, the movie is classic Michael Bay. And it, it does it in, like, the, you can't even. The, the soundtrack for that goddamn movie. I still, whenever I'm watching, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just transported back to 1998, Drinking Search. Um, but yeah, like, I saw this movie in theaters and. I bought it at the time. Like, I bought into it. I was like, all right, yeah. Deep core drillers that, you know, suddenly we're just going to train them for for two weeks and send them up to space.
0: (laughs) Why not? (laughs) The best thing, okay, so Armageddon got a Criterion release.
1: Of course it did. Of course it did. That's where we're at in Hollywood nowadays.
0: I'm going to give a quick shout out (laughs) to my buddy, Ryan Luis Rodriguez, who hosts a podcast all about audio commentaries. It's called One Track Mind. Yeah, And he did an episode all about Armageddon, and he played clips from the audio commentary. And the audio commentary has uh, Ben Affleck Mm -hmm. basically making fun of the movie the whole time. It's like Ben Affleck and Michael Bay and a few of the special effects people, and it kind of cuts back and forth. And on the commentary, uh, Ben Affleck says, well... Why are we training oil drillers to go into space We you can train astronauts, paid astronauts to drill? And yeah. Michael Bay like, shut up, Affleck. Just do what you're told, all right? Well, that, that's
1: um, yeah. Yeah, like that's that's the thing is is the logic in just about every Michael Bay movie, including this one, is completely turned on its head. Yes. It's, it's, it always is. Like for me, this was my first time getting, seeing uh, Billy Bob Thornton in a movie, and he plays like the straight man. Yeah. And Billy Bob Thornton is at his best when he is not that guy. So, like, I've seen him in other films now, like, like Bad Santa 1 and 2. And, and, like, I love Billy Bob Thornton when he's off the chain. But in here, he's restrained. He's like, well, the the, the, the meter is the size of Texas, sir. So it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, uh, yeah.
0: It's got other great cast members, too. I love Steve Buscemi in that. He, he still's uh, the show. Yeah. Is
1: Steve Buscemi in anything – of the show and it's like well we got to have a guy in this crew who's scrawny cagey looking and insane once he gets up to the meteor it's like all right well that's going to be steve buscemi of course Uh, and you know he already had experience because he worked on con air um but like him like riding the nuclear bomb and like the the, the actual like quote unquote professional astronauts are like he's got space madness or space <laughs> sickness, and I'm like really <laughs> that's that's your he's got space man. It's like no you you took you took a normal person who had a nine to five job drilling deep core in the ocean, and you said hey by the way there's this meeting that's gonna crash kill everybody oh uh, oh you can save it but you know you've got two weeks to train. Yeah. That's what it is. It's
0: <laughs> kind of a mental breakdown. It's not space madness. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's being stressed out for that long. Yeah. Uh, one other thing, cool thing here, because I actually watched uh, Patrick H. Williams mm-hmm. go through all of Michael Bay's movies. He did this whole essay on Michael Bay movies, and at the end, you discover that Michael Bay is an auteur, very much like Wes Anderson or Tarantino. Uh, like You can tell a Michael Bay movie... When you watch it from any movie he puts out, you can tell from yeah. the color aesthetics and the way it's shot, put together, the product
1: placement, the product placement. Like,
0: Michael Bay <laughs> is an artist, and would you say that Armageddon is his masterpiece, or is there another Michael oh, Bay?
1: Uh, that's that's a tough one. I got have to go back in and watch it. Like I always, I always really like Con Air.
0: Yes, um, that's ca- because... Con Air is not Michael Bay. That's Simon oh, the West. It's not. Oh, that's that's, that's right. Simon West, not Michael Bay.
1: He not He wasn't. He was. Oh, you know what? Jerry Bruckheimer was. A producer yes, Jerry Bruckheimer was a That's producer, the. That's the producer. Yeah, there, there. That's the common thread. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 think it's worth saying that that. Yeah, Michael Bay absolutely is an auteur, but he's not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put him in the same realm as like like a, a, a an Alfred Hitchcock or anything like that. I think he's an auteur in that he likes to make explosions go bang, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, I, mean, I think. I think there's
0: room for. For all types of movies and and
1: explosions go bang, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, the um, dude uh, start making commercials. He you know, directed well, that he was, famous milk commercial, yeah. yeah, where the guy is like hearing like um, a trivia question on the radio, and he knows the answer, but mm-hmm. he's just eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But he has the a Aaron milk. Burr, yeah, Aaron Burr, Burr. The yep. Aaron Burr commercial. Yeah, yes. I remember that one. Yeah, uh, uh,
1: uh, and that's the thing. If it, it's a clearly successful commercial because I remember it, like, yeah. Thirty years later so um, yeah I mean that's there, there's a testament to you know having a style and like it's funny you bring this up like we were we were doing a, an episode yesterday for my podcast about Edgar Wright and it was a filmmaker like retrospective and a lot of the same sort of points came across like you know when you're watching an Edgar Wright film be it Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz uh, even uh, Last Night in Soho which we really did not care for um, but like there's something to be said about having a distinct style and having certain tropes that you fall into. Um, I don't have a problem with Michael Bay. I just think that, like, I think you can't read too deep into it because it's not there. Like, there's it's surface level. It's like popcorn candy. That's it. That's what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you you can have both.
0: That's true. That's true. Okay, on to my number four. Uh, I am going to do a movie that I watched a lot of. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Total Recall. Nice, Paul Verhoeven. It's funny.
1: I was I was telling my co-host I was gonna come on here, and he's like, "Oh, Cinema Recall, like Total Recall." Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Love Total Recall. Paul Verhoeven
0: flick. Our own Schwarzenegger <laughs> uh, plays the guy Yes Yes. <laughs> Guy who wants to he dreams about going to Mars opens up with him on like this planet with this other woman. Then he's like this uh, guy who can't go to Mars, but there's this new device where he can actually get to go to Mars, and he becomes this uh, secret agent. He gets confused with the secret agent, and great stuff. Uh, but as a teenager, what was the main reason why I saw this movie as a kid? Do you, uh, do you know the reason why I saw this three, movie three as a kid? Boobs? Three boobs? Yes, exactly. Because I, mean, yeah. I was,
1: have... I was like, I think why I saw this, I think it must have been, must have been like seven or eight, and yeah, that was like, whoa, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a real thing. <laughs> it's not. And... Um, I, I would be really concerned if that was a real thing. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I love this movie. I got five kids, man. I got five kids to feed. <laughs>
0: Glenn Plumber. I'm yeah. not even married. <laughs> Just so many great lines of this movie. Uh, I I love it. I know that this was Open a movie your that came mind out to me. Open R- your mind. This came out right after Robocop.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And
0: before Basic Instinct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because Basic Instinct was, I think it was, what, 91, 92? Yeah,
0: 91, 92. And so I know this is my first introduction to Sharon Stone yep. as Schwarzenegger's uh, wife. Lori. Lori. And I thought, oh, she was so good. And then I actually got to watch Basic Instinct with my folks.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry.
0: All right. Side I'm so hear. sorry for you. <laughs>
1: that's that's the, that's the worst, by the way, Is is because there have been multiple times that I've watched movies that I'm like, you know, there's a, some sex scene coming on or or anything like that's always a sex scene. I don't know really, my parents
0: never really cared about the scary yeah. stuff.
1: But yeah, anytime there's a sex scene it's like you suddenly like go deeper in your seat like, "Oh, uh this is bad." <laughs> uh,
0: Yo, know, my dad kind of just around like, "Oh, oh, she's nice. Oh, son, bring one like that home." I'm like He didn't say that, <laughs> Yes. Did he? Yes, he did. It's like, he "Bring said
1: work- in front of Do say it in front of your mom?"
0: Yeah, they like, bring one like that home. I'm like I don't know, Dad. I'm only 13, but thank you. All right. Oh, thanks for the permission. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> bring a woman home with three
1: boobs. Okay. No, not the, not
0: the three boobs. No, like uh, we watched Basic Teen Steak with Sharon Stone. Oh, baby. OK. Yeah. You don't want to bring a woman home like that. No, she it's she kills people you. there. It's yeah, no. <laughs> you don't want to do that.
1: She's going to ice pick you. Um, But yeah, no, but Total Recall. I love, I love
0: the makeup in that one. Like this makeup effects. Beautiful. Based on a story by Philip K. Dick. Yep. As well, uh, yeah, Michael Ironside or uh, Rachel Deacon—that's who plays the her his main she love plays interest Melina—and in that one, yes, uh, yeah. But well, I, abs- I gotta
1: ask your opinion. what did you think of the the remake? Did
0: you see the remake with Colin Farrell? Yeah, eh, it was okay. Eh, I hated it. It was It was. It was. It was forgettable.
1: It's too clean.
0: It was very too clean. Yeah, it was
1: too clean, and then the whole concept of like the elevator that cuts through the earth, like. You just everybody like there's a there's a there's a poor person's side and then there's a, a wealthy person side and you know you just take an elevator straight through the earth. Like, makes no when sense.
0: I say something's fine, Brian, that means I saw it. I never have to see it again. What happens? Fair I don't enough. remember. I don't care.
1: The only thing I remember is like it existed. That's the same thing with the RoboCop remake too. It existed. It existed.
0: Yeah, just uh, I don't know why. I just know that I remember m- m- watch the movie a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I liked the Johnny Cab. Oh, the Johnny Cab!
1: Oh man, the little I Android the guy Johnny that cab. drives
0: around. I'm like, I want that to be an Uber thing. Like, I'm glad people are getting to work as Uber drivers, and I think that's great. But I, mean, I really right want the
1: artif- AIs going. We could have a Johnny Cab in the near future.
0: I would love an AI Johnny Cab. Uh, the AI Johnny
1: Cab would kill you. That that would be the first sign of the robot apocalypse. Is the Johnny Cab the to start room. start running into people? And, Because you know, the minute you get a Johnny Cab, there's going to be jerk-off kids. And I say this as now a 37-year-old man. Jerk-off kids are going in like, oh, I'm going to mess with this thing. And it's just going to take one incident. Johnny Cab will gain sentience and go nuts and crash right into a building.
0: Damn it. Brian, you're right. Yeah, because it would just take – it would be so easy to hack into one of those guys and just –
1: Well, not even hack it. It would would gain sentience.
0: Oh, sentience. Oh, yeah. But it was, I imagine someone would probably hack into it a few oh, times before. I mean, you could before. do that. That,
1: that. You could do that. That would be a good sequel to to Robocop. Uh, not Robocop, but, but Total Recall. The, just to hold spin off of, of Johnny, Johnny Cab? Cab. <laughs> Rise of Johnny Cab. <laughs> I
0: fucking love it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that is my number four. Good pick. Total Recall. Yeah, love it. What's your number three? All right, so my number three uh, is Dark City. Oh, Alex, Alex
1: Royas.
0: Fuck yes. Good choice.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I saw the trailer for this one when I was going to see Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh my God, I'm sorry. And it was, well, it was the only positive thing of that movie going experience. That's true, okay. So like, I remember sitting in the theater and, and my, my mom had dropped me off of our local cinema and I am was like, what the hell is this trailer? Because I had always loved... Uh, like I love The Crow, and um, at this time I don't. I think I I'd, I'd already watched Hellraiser, um, which that's one of my absolute favorite films of all time. Like like that, it's something that I love that that mythology in that world. Mm-hmm. So I see this, and I'm like, holy shit! It's like Hellraiser, but not. And the trailer is a beautiful trailer. If you've never seen Dark City, watch the trailer first because the trailer gives away nothing. And you never see trailers like that anymore. You never do.
0: Yeah. I I know that I remember seeing this on VHS. I, I own the movie. And if mm-hmm. listeners don't know what Dark City is about, um, it's about this guy who waits up, but he doesn't have – any memories
1: yes his name is murdoch
0: murdoch yes he's just trying to piece together his life uh he has a girlfriend played by jennifer connelly who is this lounge singer Mm -hmm. and uh, it all has to do with this group of alien beings that go into the city the The strangers strangers. and they manipulate uh city settings and they change people's backgrounds and environments. Their so whole like,
1: identity. Like and it's it's it happens every single night. And yeah. and Murdoch is the only one who it hasn't happened to. He he kinda of wakes up during the process of yes, it. Yes. Yes. So he kinda
0: loses memory.
1: It's it's got little bits of, of film noir in there. Actually it's got a lot of film noir film noir, noir and German
0: this, expressionism in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and also sci fi. Like yes. It, it's a nice marriage of these and like if you're if you're you're already familiar with Alex Proya's work in the crow it, it's a good like companion to that because i do see a lot of parallels to the two uh in the cinematography and direction um but it's a brilliant science fiction film i don't think it gets nearly enough love and i also think it got it just got got kind of flew under the radar um because unfortunately like 1998 kind of was a shitty year for movies because it's like i've always felt that 98 was not was kind of like eh, you know it's all right um, but 99 gets all the credit because it's a 99 is one of the best years in, in cinema, yes. in my opinion. Um, there's th- so many good movies that will stand the test of time. Came out of 99. Same w- reason why 1989 is such a brilliant year for films, too. That's but true. 98, you know, you had that Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie. That came <laughs> yes. Out. And that's, I think, what most people think about. So, like, this movie, Dark City, kind of fell under the radar there. But it's a really solid film. Uh, it's got Kiefer Sutherland in it, and he's like not Jack Bauer in this. He's like a very like kind of weird. He's like a Peter sci- Lorre, yeah, type he's of like a, a, style a character. Scientist. Yeah, but uh, it's such a good movie. There's so many good images, and the ending sequence, the 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 like the climax uh, in it is awesome. Where uh, literally the two characters are battling as the whole city is changing around them.
0: Their it's whole fight they have. Brilliant film. I do recommend listeners to check out the director's cut. I know the Blu ray has both versions. I really yep. like the director's cut because it removes the narration.
1: Oh, good. I it, haven't seen the director's cut.
0: And I like the fact that it extends a lot of Jennifer Connolly's songs in there, and I thought she mm-hmm. looks really good. Big harken back to film noir. Mm-hmm. But yeah, very brilliant movie. I love Dark City just majorly. And the disc has a commentary track from Roger Ebert that is also kind of fascinating to listen to. Because Roger I don't really Ebert,
1: care for Roger Ebert as a person. Uh, like That's Okay. All right. The
0: man trashed horror films in the
1: 80s, like, to the nth degree. He kind of, like, shit on the whole genre. So, but he
0: like... also wrote Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, so I cannot give him... I know. I can't shut at him too much, but Well
1: if you listen to my podcast, there's a couple episodes where I literally say, I Hope you're burning
0: in hell. Uh, but that's just okay, me. <laughs> that's <okay>. just me. <laughs> ouch. Ouch. All right. Uh but yeah, I I can respect that too because he was not fun of horror films and He hated he did, him. He, he didn't want to give them a shot and Well he, he he called
1: the people that, that like watch those movies like horrible names. Like, you call it like a psychopath. So it's like, Which
0: makes no sense because, come on, dude, you may be on the Value of the Dolls. Shut up about it. All right, whatever. Nah, yeah, yeah. You're a moron, but that's all right. Yeah. Uh, but still, Drunk City, regardless, watch the movie. It has director's great commentary film. on there, but it's a really great mashup of science fiction film noir, and it's done in a very creative and great way. It's not like just filmmakers are going or screen are going, oh we just throw this in there and we just bitch it up as it goes. I, no. I've
1: yet to see a movie that's been able to match that level of creativity in a film. Yeah, that's that's then. fair.
0: That's totally fair. Alright, uh going on to my number three uh yes, I'm going into a sequel this time. Okay. And it's a sequel that I watched just as much as I did the first one. I am gonna go with Robocop two.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Oh, I love RoboCop 2. Because we thought With RoboCop 1 is <laughs> violent. RoboCop 2 just takes it into whole other areas. Like, RoboCop 2 is like RoboCop did a bunch of, like, cocaine.
1: Well, he did a bunch of nuke.
0: Nuke, yes. That's what happened.
1: <laughs> uh, a we don't, bunch
0: of nuke. <laughs> if we know a story about RoboCop 2, yes, it's about this uh, addictive drug called Nuke. And it's run by this uh guy called Kane, played by Tom Noonan. and he has his whole lackeys, he has like this twelve year old boy named he has Hobbs. a kid
1: working for him who's is like second in command.
0: Yeah. <laughs> his main guy is like this twelve year old kid who can like shoot machine guns no problem. Uh I think it, at
1: one scene he has like it, it wasn't like a suitcase that turns into a
0: machine gun and you just start shooting people with it. I think so. Yeah. Uh I'm like, just, what the fuck? Even the opening sequence, you see uh, a guy robbing an old lady, and then that guy gets beat up uh, by two streetwalkers, yeah. and it just keeps going on there and there. Uh, I This one feels a little bit more cartoony because this one was actually written by Frank Miller of Sin City, and I know Makes that sense. they had <laughs> problems on the set of this, and yeah. I know you can actually read his actual... Uh, adaptation in comic book form, which I will tend to do later on. Uh, this was directed by Irvin Kirshner.
1: same guy who did *Empire Strikes Back*.
0: Yeah, which is just insane to me. Uh, just, it's so, it's like over the top. Like in *Robocop*, there's a social satire about uh, consumerism mm-hmm. and the eighties aesthetic, and in this one. It feels so weird because at the end of Robocop 1, Robocop gets his humanity back. He says, hi, it's me, I'm Murphy, and he has his mask off. But Robocop 2, that stuff is taken away.
1: Oh, yeah, they completely throw that stuff away.
0: There's even a subplot where his wife comes back in Yeah. for just, like, one scene, only to just have that trashed out. Like, all right. Uh, But I still love this because it's over the top. I love the fight sequence at the end with... Robocop and Robocop 2, uh, Phil Tippett's animation it's is freaking great, and I love seeing stop-motion animation Yeah, so much of this, and I know as a kid, I just reveled in that all the time.
1: Uh, I think the commentary is still in this, but it's different. Like, instead of, you know, the, the, the capitalist commentary, which is what the first one really was, this one, like takes a page out of whatever current events we're going. So, like, I know in, in 1990, like, that was, I think, what, the first Earth Day. So, like, there's literally a commercial in which there's a beautiful wind putting on sunscreen, suntan, well, like, yeah, sunscreen. Yeah. And it's, it's like, because the ozone layer's gone, and, and we're all going to be crispy critters, you have to wear this blue or green goo sunscreen to reflect that. Um, and then the whole subplot with RoboCop uh, now being controlled by uh, OCP and have and them deciding kind of by, co- by parental committee that he's too violent. Yes. So they reprogram his brain <laughs> to be PC and not violent. Like there's literally like the parents group is going like, I don't know why he has to bring a gun out every single time. Why couldn't he just talk? It's like the man is literally... A cybernetic weapon. But it like you know, clearly it's done to kind of, you know, nullify Robocop from, from the, the 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 nefarious things happening. But it's it's kind of speaks to some of, you know, the over the top parrots groups that are you know, these are the same people who were criticizing like Dungeons and Dragons and Satanic Panic and all this other crap. So it's it kind of plays a little bit into that.
0: But it's so weird, too, because right around the time of RoboCop 2 coming out, I remember there was an animated cartoon show.
1: There was. Yep. And
0: Probably. I remember watching this. I remember the toys that we came ha- out. I had the
1: toys. Me and my brothers had the toys. Oh, We sweet. had the glow-in-the-dark RoboCop, which, thinking back, back now, I'm like, if they're making that based off of the movie, which they did, <laughs> it's not it's not a toy-etic film by any <laughs> it- stretch of the imagination.
0: And I imagine, too, that, you know, the people that were kind of, like, protesting the film and all the parental groups, even though they kind of do a satire of that in the movie, that sort of came true for RoboCop 3. Yeah. So, and that's why Peter Weller left that production and all that stuff there. But, yeah, RoboCop 2 is a great Great one. If you want more of RoboCop 2, check out the episode I did with uh, Donnie Roberts where we kind of go into a deep dive into RoboCop 2 and talk about our favorite things there. But... Adam had for this one because I absolutely love it. And I believe that what all the kids in, you know, for the Nuke and whatnot and Hobbs, I mm-hmm. believe those are the same kids who eventually joined the Foot Clan in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles of the 1991. Really? I think I'm, that's my theory. I'm sticking okay. to it. I'm probably are wrong. You saying,
1: are you saying that there's like a crossover, multi, you know— kind of an MCU-type situation I I think RoboCop there and...
0: could be some sort of okay. connection there between RoboCop 2 and the first Turtles movie, because, look, I, I just... I'd buy that. You know,
1: I'd buy that for a dollar. Dom-
0: <laughs> 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 Very nice, Brian. All right, uh, let's get to your number two.
1: Okay, so my number two is, again, another movie that I think people, like, remember it, but then don't remember it at the same time, and that is the Dustin Hoffman uh, film Sphere.
0: Oh with uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Menor Creighton.
1: Yes. 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 I fear.
0: I've seen this movie once. Oh, on DVD. So, I just I don't know much about Sphere. Oh, so, so help so me out.
1: Good. So it's so good. So the the whole premise of it are that these three scientists, um Dustin Hoffman, Sharon Stone, and Samuel L. Jackson, they kind of get picked by a government organization that has found an unidentified flying object kind of crash landed into uh, the ocean so they take them down and they've built a lab like an actual lab at the bottom of the ocean to investigate this UFO and basically what they find inside the UFO is a perfect golden sphere that's made out of some kind of liquid, um, and the whole movie itself is really like it's it's kind of a masterclass in building suspense and terror. Um, because you know you watch a movie like Sphere and you're just thinking like how how is this scary at all? But the Sphere, in essence, kind of gives these people powers that their their imaginations get manifested into reality. And slowly, like, one-on-one, one of, you know, each one of these people kind of gets gets picked off. The, our main group you know, of three, you know, like, great actors, they're not going to get k- killed. Um, but, like, everyone else around them kind of gets killed. One, you know, Dustin Hoffman, he's in the ocean. He gets surrounded by jellyfish. Um, Sharon Stone, who apparently had, like, a relationship with Dustin Hoffman. You know, like, there's there's a whole bunch of craziness to happens. this. And Samuel L. Jackson delivers a great performance as, like, almost a psychotic character but he's not um there's a sequence where he's reading Moby Dick and sure enough the the uh the actual squid uh attacks like the giant squid from Moby Dick kind of attacks uh oh he's reading 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea not Moby Dick sure um and like the squid attacks and sure enough it's because he was dreaming about the squid from reading the book so it's a real like mind fuck type of movie.
0: I'll um, I'll have to watch this one because when you describe the plot of it, Brian, it kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Solaris. Yeah, meets it's, it's the Abyss.
1: Yeah, it's it's it, I would say that's that's a pretty accurate description. But I remember watching this like I, I didn't see it in theaters when it came out, but I did watch it almost all the time on HBO because okay. that's just kind of how I got a lot of my movies back. Yeah. Then. Was once it came to HBO, I was watching it, and this was one that definitely like stuck with me, because, you know, it's the first time I really saw like how you can do a slow build of tension within a film, where every single scene kind of adds up onto itself, Uh, and it's something that I definitely like appreciate
0: now that I you know make movies. Nice, that's good. That's your pick. That's your pick. I like that. I and I'll, I'll definitely pick that up again. I don't know if it's streaming. Any, you say HBO Max has it.
1: Um, I don't know if it's on HBO Max now. I watched it at the time. Okay, so again, nineteen ninety eight. Gotcha. Uh, on HBO. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. What's the, yeah, all right. right?
0: Fair enough. All right. Well, before we get into our number ones, do you have any honorable mentions?
1: I do. I have a couple honorable mentions, and okay. this was this was hard. Okay. Um. So for me, my honorable mentions are uh, Rushmore.
0: Oh, yeah. yes. That was probably uh, – I remember seeing the trailer for that. And yep. that was the first time I took notice of Wes Anderson. I know he did *Bottle Rocket before. But that was the first movie I go, oh, who is this guy, Wes Anderson?
1: I, I really don't care for most Wes Anderson movies just because, like, I know he's got a style and I know he's got a thing. But it's just it's, – it's never, like, vibe for me. Okay. But I really love uh, Rushmore. uh Jason Schwartzman's hilarious in it. Bill Murray is, is, oh my God, classic, like dark comedy Bill Murray. And it's just, it's a great plot. It's a great movie. So that definitely made my. my the moment
0: where they both try to get back at each other. Yeah. The Who's on Play. the
1: montage back and forth of it. So good. <laughs> um, I also have uh, Wild Things.
0: Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Another Bill, Bill yeah. Murray is in that one too. Denise Richards looking amazing. Yeah, Neff
1: Campbell and I I like that Uh, one. I mean, obviously, like I was 13 at the time, so you can take a guess of why. Um, And on top of that, like the story structure is interesting, how everything in that movie kind of is deceptive to the audience. And you really don't see that in movies nowadays, Um, like the end credit scene sequence gives you all the little pieces that you didn't know should have been there. Um and and it's it's something that you really don't don't see anymore where you kind of hide those little bits of of uh, what the plot was and those little like important bits that, that the audience didn't see and you kind of revealed that right at the end. Well, like so it's an interesting film
0: done by the same guy who directed uh um uh gosh with microworker worker Henry Porter of serial killer. Yeah very yep. yeah but i love wild things and i like the trailer of the movie because it lures you in with a story mm-hmm. about sets, and you think going bit see a lot of sexy images and you do but there's a great story that's there too like hootsy with the sexy ladies and then brings you in more with the story yeah good yep. pick wild things definitely
1: uh so you want me to get my my number one? Well, Actually, I'm going to go – yeah, go oh, ahead and yeah. get board? You, oh, do you have go, honorable mentions?
0: I got honorable mentions here. With okay, cookies, so let me just go you, you through fast. You do yours. Yeah, yeah, sorry. All right, so I had Misery. Oh, that's – man. I, I remember misery. reading the book. Yeah, I saw that as because th- oh, I read the book. That's so good. I was on uh, a trip to visit some relatives, and I had the book, and once I got to read the book, I saw the movie. Kathy Bates, uh, James Caan.
1: Uh, She's so insane
0: in that movie. It's kind great. of the base is just twisted as hell. Uh, I have uh, Darkman, oh, so good. The Sam Raimi's Darkman. Liam Neeson as oh, a scientist who develops this uh, cure for uh, skin. Yeah He's like, he was his bad skin, but it only works at nighttime, and so because of course, <laughs> uh, my
1: favorite scene from that is the the elephant. To take the fucking yeah, the <laughs> fucking <laughs> yes. take the fucking elephant. Yes, take the fucking elephant, and then his face starts bubbling up. Uh. And just, like like I I love it because it's classic Sam Raimi at his most over the top, and it's brilliant.
0: Uh, all right, let's get into our number ones. What do you have there, Brian? Okay, my number one,
1: and I probably catch flack for this, is John Carpenter's
0: Vampires. Whoa. Okay, let's I, – I I have seen this movie, and James Woods yes. plays Vampire Hunter. I know I've seen – Jack Crow. I had fun with this movie, but – That's
1: what this movie is. It's fun. Every viewing. You're never going to have a bad viewing of John Carpenter's vampires because these vampires – they don't give two fucks <laughs> about ripping people apart. They're gross. They've got fangs. There's no sparkles. There's no one. No one's trying to be romantic. And it's got probably some of the best back and forth dialogue that James Woods has ever had in a movie. Um, I, I love John Carpenter's vampires. I, I This was one that I, I actively searched out uh, when I, I was watching... You remember the movie uh, – not the movie, but the TV show Movie Magic from, like, the mid-'90s?
0: I don't think so. No.
1: So it played on, like, Discovery Channel. Okay. And it it was a really, like – it was a really cool, like, half-hour show that went actually behind the scenes and showed how uh, a lot of, like, special effects were made okay. uh, at the time. And this movie was one that, that they had done a behind-the-scenes on. So, like, I remember seeing how they did – like the the stab in the head of the vampire, uh, in the in the beginning when when Jack kind of goes into the vampire nest and he's like tossing, he's like wrestling with one of the vampires and he takes a stake and he stabs in his head. And you actually like see it. Now it's done in a way where they cut to a fake head, um, but like I was so like I was like this movie looks awesome. When is it gonna come out? And I didn't see it in theaters because I was only thirteen at the time. Um, and it was a rated R, so I waited till it came to the video and I watched it. I was like, This is awesome. But I love Jack Crow. I don't love Kevin and not James Woods as a person, because of his more recent politics personally. Sure. But I love him in this movie as just an absolute fucking badass. There's the scene of him just walking away from the Sunrise Hotel, just blowing up, is just classic. It's oh. gonna have a good time watching vampires. I-
0: I will have to find this movie and watch it again because a lot of like John Carpenter's later movies, like usually everything after They Live, yeah, I don't look at as high regards like vampires and Ghost to Mars uh, and Ghost to Mars is is unredeemable. Okay, it's
1: just yeah, and that that came out I think in like ninety nine or two thousand. So there. there uh, two thousand one? But it was it was yeah, Ghost to Mars is terrible. I tried watching it and I'm just like, nope, nope. <laughs> But, but I, I love John Carpenter's Vampires. It's one of my, my top vampire films um, just because of how they depicted vampires in it. Uh, you know, they, in they, just of how they depicted like the mythos of it, where you've got the Catholic Church who has the secret group of slayers across the world and they're slowly taking vampires out. Like, it, it does a really good job of world building, which it's hard to do that, like, the, to, to really come up with something original uh and, and and of course like they're they're taking it from a book because this was based off of the book um but like to build out that world and great get great casting in uh james woods um the baldwin guy hey, he's all right um but i think it was daniel baldwin who was in this and i was like hey, he's there but um great film
0: Okay. Well, you're you're making me want to revisit this again, Brian. So you're not
1: gonna have a bad time watching it. I'll just okay. tell you that right now.
0: All right. Is I... it deep?
1: No, it's not. Is it sphere? It's not sphere. It's not Dark City. Um, but it's it's a fun ride. That's what I would say. John Carpenter's Vampires is.
0: Okay. Well, I think my number one is also a fun ride, and it's a movie much like Vampires that mm-hmm. wasn't appreciated so much in its time, but it's starting to get quite a resurgence. Uh, I'm going to do Gremlins 2, the new batch.
1: Love that movie.
0: I love that Which movie
1: more than the original.
0: I no do joke. too. And I, and I love respect Gremlins. Don't get me wrong. I mean, me I, I have a fondness for Gremlins so much. But Gremlins 2 basically kind of like does a parody of Gremlins, but does yes. it in such a great way. Because when you think about doing a sequel to Gremlins, like how can you do it this way? Oh, they're going to go to New York. All right. Great. So Billy is back, uh, Zach Gallagher, and uh, uh, Kate, Phoebe Cates, is there, and they're working for this big high rise apartment, this big high rise mall. It's uh, a Trump knockoff. That's what it is. Thank you, yes. It literally D- is. Daniel Clamp is playing. Uh, Donald Cl- Donald Trump yes
1: it, that, they literally said that like they completely ripped off of Donald Trump like they
0: like they called it Clamp instead of Trump
1: that's yeah a hundred percent what they did
0: uh, yeah but I just love it I love the fact that it just starts off with Looney Tunes yes Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck do a little skit and then it opens with a movie and it's just so comical like even the f- they, this this uh big multi mall area business place has mm-hmm. a genetic lab. Of course, does On the run floor. by Christopher Lee of because that's that's what you do. You have a big genetic lab there, and they're testing all these do, serums. Doesn't your doesn't your local strip mall have a genetic laboratory
1: like that, right next you know to what, the it, bank in the in the Quiznos?
0: If it had that, malls would not die as they are now.
1: No, they wouldn't.
0: You know, that's why <laughs> malls are the, dying. The
1: genetic lab would be fitting the
0: bill. His exactly. <laughs> uh, but where they're testing all the different serums and yeah. Uh, Wenters into a bat and the fruit guy. They have like you know a uh, a uh, a female gremlin right there. Yeah. Uh, who I always thought was kind of cute. I'm not gonna lie. I always thought the girl gremlin was kind of cute. Well,
1: Robert Picardo thought so too. Yes, he made up. <laughs> I just I love the scene where he's
0: just like looking and going. Eh, yeah. Okay. With the yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eh, whatever. Whatever. Uh, I I like the brain gremlin. Yes. Yes, he's very like intellectual, talking about
1: oh yes, yes, a little bit of a little bit of light here, and then oh yeah, they'll give you a little shot, and you'll turn into a bat, my friend. Um, which you gotta say, they completely
0: like did the whole Batman
1: ripoff in there too.
0: Oh yes, uh, it's a good movie, good. but I just absolutely love it, and I love the fact that even like I remember this in theater, seeing this in theaters, mm-hmm. and there's a moment where the real breaks down. Yes. And you see uh, Paul Bartel as the manager trying to put things together. And then Hulk Hogan yep. comes in, gets the movie shown again. And as a kid, I remember Hulk Hogan. And just I never saw a movie be so meta before.
1: Well, well, I don't, you know what? Here's the thing. I never saw that movie in theaters. So in 1990, I was five years old. Okay. And But I did watch this like on repeat on HBO, whenever it came on. Yeah. Because uh, this was one of those ones that just always played. Um, and I always wondered what the audience reaction was to that moment when it just completely like shits the bed and you lose the reel.
0: Oh, we we were we're like, what happened? We actually thought the projector broke down. Wow! And then we saw the gremlins show up there, and we're thinking, oh, okay, the gremlin silhouettes on the screen, and yeah. we knew it was still continuing on. But I just thought that was so. Very cool. Like The Very Gremlins cool. are in my theaters, and they're manipulating the movie as I watch it. So, yeah, just great fun. And I totally agree with you. I do like it more than Gremlins. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I loved the first Gremlins. It's got some great moments. It's also, I'd say, more terrifying. Oh, 100%. The, the, that's, that's the first Gremlins is, is more of a horror movie than a comedy. But Gremlins 2 is a straight-up comedy with horror elements in it. And, and it, it, it works.
0: It makes so much fun of what happens in the first movie. Like, in the first movie, Phoebe Cage said that whole speech about yes. how what happened to her dad. And then in the second one, she talks about, like, President's Day. And yeah. Bill's like, all right, don't need to tell the story anymore. We're fine. Yeah, it's like we know. Yeah. We know. <laughs> Horrible things happen <laughs> yeah, see? We get it. <laughs> oh, but so very cool. Funny. Uh, But, yeah. So, Dad, th- this has been fun. Thank you very much, it's Brian. it fun.
1: No, thanks for having me on, man.
0: Oh, I've been loving going through these flits here, and I hope that we introduced some movies that you haven't seen before. Maybe sparked your interest a little bit, and maybe I've you seen want to see almost all of them. Almost all. Of them. Well, yeah, you have, but maybe our yeah. listeners out there are thinking to themselves, you know, I've never seen Darkman, or or I have not seen uh, vampires, or yeah, or I've not seen the Spear.
1: That's a good. That's a good one to see. Is Man.
0: Oh, so, uh, as and the
1: sequels are so good in the awesomely bad way. They're fun. They're very fun. Especially yeah. when you get Arnold Vosloo, Who is the mummy, uh, in the original Mummy series, who shows up in as Dark Man. It's like die Dark Man die in Return of Durant. It's like oh god, yeah, uh, so good. They're
0: pretty good. they pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's do this right now. Just give us a quick recap of your uh, number five through one.
1: So my number five through one, uh, I had Very Bad Things. I had Armageddon, Dark City, Sphere, and Vampires. My honorable mentions were Rushmore, Wild Things, The Faculty, and Blade.
0: All right. Well, I'm not going to list my honorable mentions. So I'm just going to do my top fives. Sure. So I'm going to do Ever Scissor Hands as my number five. Nice. Uh, Total Recall as number four. Get your ass to <laughs> uh, <laughs> Then I've got uh, Robocop Two. Okay. Yes. Um, and then oh, no, sorry. Yeah, Total Recall, the Robocop Two. Yeah. And then uh, Gremlins Two as my number one. Oh,
1: you are you. Yeah, Wait. that's right. That's right.
0: Yeah, Ever scissor Hands Total Recall, Robocop Two. Did I miss one? I think you missed one because that am counting four. Did I not talk about my number five? Wait. Well you did. Dark no, yeah, one, two, three, four, five. I I honestly I, I think I I may have missed one of them. Okay. Well shit. Well, you know, I'm still no, Grumbles two is still my number one. Yeah. Dark man is my number two. Total recall number three. No, yeah, all right. No, I, no one, two, three, four, five I you know, I told totally, I totally f this up. That's all right. But it's okay. All right. No worries. You gotta Grubman's keep this t- in, yeah. Keep this in. Don't cut this out. We're not keep cutting this in. out. No, Grumpus Two is still my number one. Okay. Dark Man's my number two. Uh, Robocop Two is my number three. Total Recall Four, sister Hands Five.
1: Okay. You
0: got them? I, all? Yeah. I did. Well, shit. Well, but I know I talked <laughs> about Dark Man. All right, but it's did. Not we much. did talk about Dark Man. <laughs> well, shit. All right. Still, I I'm happy with the list that I made. And we're able to talk about all these these flits from 1998 and 1990. So it's fine. All right. It's not a perfect list. But, hey, whatever. It's still good. Awesome. All right, man. Well, nice to talk to you as always. Uh, give our listeners a quick little uh, what's going to be happening at the Cinema Cycle Show.
1: All right. So uh, we've got – when is this episode going to drop?
0: Uh, well, this episode will drop uh, next week. So not this okay, week, so- but next week.
1: Okay, so cool. So we've got an episode coming out uh, early next week, uh, right around the time that this, this will drop, um, and it'll be a filmmaker retrospective on the work of Edgar Wright. Ooh, nice. So, and that we we partnered with um, Sophia, who is the host of Movie Struck to tackle that one. Oh, very so cool. It's it's really cool because um, usually our episodes only go about an hour, but this one we did two hours. Oh, damn. Because we kind of were just, like, going into um, literally his entire back catalog, And we answered the question, uh, is Edgar Wright capable of writing female characters? Spoilers, he is not. Um, but learn more about why on our episode. Okay. I think that's going to be episode 269 of the Cinema Psycho show.
0: Well, very cool. Uh, As for Cinema Recall, I'm not quite sure what will be coming next. Uh, I think uh, Ashley will probably be coming back to the show to talk about some new features we saw. Uh, We're going to have play a little game uh, called Fun with Chat GPT, where (laughs) I created some fun uh, script scenarios, and we're going to be doing some of those. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to tackle like buddy cop movies and Iraq thrillers, and horror movies, uh, so yeah, so definitely check out Cinema Recall, we are available on all podcast platforms, uh, cinemarecall.net is our main site, uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash cinemarecallpod, where you will get extended versions of episodes, including this one here, alright, so go check us out, uh, love you all very much, and we'll be back again soon.